touch that dial. You've tuned in to The Great TV Podcast with Jim Harrell. Whether they're current or classic, let's talk about the best shows ever made. Our guest today, well, if you've followed television in the last 40 years, you all know this person, Michael Leonard. She played, of course, Olivia Walton on The Waltons, one of the iconic television moms. Uh, I was just telling her before we started, my late mother loved The Waltons. Uh, I, I thank her and the other uh, we've also spoken to Judy Norton previously. I thanked her as well. It's been such a great legacy, but uh, the story of Michael Learned is more than that. She's done a ton of stage work. We're going to talk about that, how she got into the, the Waltons, what she's doing today, and talk about her career. And we're so glad to have her on the line. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. It's my pleasure. I one of the, When I was doing the research for this, one of the things that I was kind of interested in was the idea that you spent a large part of your childhood uh, on a farm, didn't you, if I'm not mistaken? Well, uh, yeah, until I was 11. Um, we had a little, uh, it was what, in Wisconsin, they call it a hobby farm. <laughs> and in Connecticut, they call it a gentleman's farm. <laughs> so um, it was a small 21-acre farm, but I milked three goats every morning before I went to school and every night before I went to bed. And um, we had a, a buck and three does and little kids, one of whom was my my pet, Becky. And um, we had pigs, a couple of pigs, and we had a cow. So, you know, it wasn't a huge, you know, working farm. It was, um, but my father did everything. And um, and I stole some money up from him when I was a kid. I went into his pant pockets and stole, um, you know, a quarter here and a dollar there to buy candy. Mm-hmm. And I got caught. I got busted by a teacher. <laughs> so my, she said, you know, your daughter seems to be buying an awful lot of candy around here. So my father, bless him, said, you're too old to spank. So um, I'm going to make a chart and you're going to have to earn earn this money and pay me back. And I, so I did. And it was really a wonderful thing that he did. You know, I had to collect the eggs. I cleaned out the stalls. Makes it, me sound like Cinderella, but actually I enjoyed it. The only thing I didn't like was going up to the barn at night because it's very dark at night. Oh, sure, sure. In the country, you know, and I, I really hated that. But once I got to the barn and turned the lights on, for some reason I felt safer. I don't know. The animals couldn't have done anything to save me from a boogeyman, but nonetheless. (laughs) Well, the thing that I love about that, that actually, I don't want to jump to the Waltons yet, but that actually sounds like something they could have incorporated into the Waltons and had some of the younger kids paying back some money they had stolen. So that, that really sounds like. uh... That's true because I was a little klepto when I was a kid, but that, that, um, you know, I'd steal a pack of gum from a store or a candy bar or something, but, um, you know, that really cured me. Uh, and it gave me a sense of self-esteem. I, I think my father was quite brilliant the way he, he did that. And I kept doing it after. And then he started paying me. Well, there you, you go. And, and I didn't know so we were it worked going, really well. I didn't know we were going to expose the criminal side of Michael Learned today. <laughs> <laughs> breaking news, breaking yeah, but, news. <laughs> I paid for my sins. Exactly, exactly. Why have the, I paid on, for my sins? On, on the straight and narrow. And if I understand correctly, then then you moved on to England for a time as in your, your teenage years and so yes, forth. Yes, uh, we were living in Austria. My father was working for... Uh, what was in the OSS and is now the CIA, oh, wow. I guess. Of wow. course, I knew nothing about all of this. Uh, I had no idea. 
um, I just, you know, I was a kid. I never questioned sure. what my father was doing or not doing and, and or why he wasn't working a nine-to-five job. Um, but there was a room up on the top floor near where my bedroom was in this villa that we lived in, in this charming little village called St. Gilgen in Austria. And um, there was a room that my father would type, and he said he was writing. He never said what, but... And it was always locked, and the curtains were always drawn. And every now and then I would hear this clicking sound, which I realize now was a telegraph machine. Because this is back in 1950, a long time ago. A lot has happened since then. But anyway, he was, uh, that's what he was doing, and I had no idea. Until, um, actually, the day before we were coming back to the States, my mother said, I'm going to tell you a life-and-death secret. And then she told me, and she said, if you ever tell anyone, your father's life will be in danger. So wow. that was a big secret. That taught me how to keep secrets. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I'm, I'm and, guessing. And anyway, while we were, I did get off the track, but while we were there, I, uh, I had a kind of, you know, I was 13 and I was very much more developed than the kids in this little village who had been through a war. So. I was very emotional and crying a lot and shaking. And my mother took me to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, she needs to be around kids that share her own interests, Mm -hmm. which was basically dancing. So they sent me off to the school, the sporting school in England, where I actually became a special drama student. So I hope that answered your question. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I won't be as long-winded in the next one. (laughs) I love this. This is great. I love to get the background because people, people, I think, look at television actors and actors in general as kind of one-dimensional. You know, they they see, uh, you know, we've had a lot of different people on the show, Don Wells, Ed Asner, Mm -hmm. William Daniels, Mm -hmm. and they look at them in a very one-dimensional but then when you find the backstory, there's so much more to them that, that people oh, sure. never realize. So I, I love that. So those little, those little side trips, we, we, we do love those. So it became, okay. it became the stage for you. And again, people think of you as a television actress, but you've done a ton on the stage. And the stage actually led to your success on, on the television screen, didn't it? Well, in, in a way, I was going through a really rough period in my life, and um, my first husband and I were, were separating, and um, it, was a, it was a difficult time, but I came down to L.A. because I had a two-week hiatus before I was supposed to go on tour with uh, Private Lives, and um, I thought, you know, you better get down to L.A. and learn the freeways in case an audition comes up, and... Um, you know, you won't arrive at your destination four hours late and, you know, covered in sweat. So um, so that's what I did. And I stayed at a little motel for $12 a night. I had a bottle of bourbon and a Raggedy Ann doll and lots of Kleenex. And um, then my agent said, you know, this part is still available and it's a farm woman and all of that. And I, I kept saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm 31 and they were looking for a woman with long red hair who in her 40s who was a farm woman. I said, I just finished playing Cleopatra and Private Lives, sure. Amanda and Private Lives. I don't see myself as a character actor yet. Right. And plus, I was 31, you know, and she had short blonde hair. So it just didn't seem right for me. But he kept insisting, and he said, the part is still open. You're going. So I traipsed out of the, this 
little seedy motel, which is no longer there, and um, went to see about it. And there was just a room full of guys, big grown-ups, I thought. And they said, will you test? I didn't even read. They said, will you test? And I said, sure. And I went for a screen test, and four days later, my agent called and said, congratulations, you're the mother of America. Wow, that, that, it's, that, that that's amazing. And you had big shoes to fill because my understanding there was a TV movie before, where there was a movie before that with Patricia Neal in the role. So that was not, uh, that wasn't an easy task. She played, yes, you're telling me. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I said, you know, I, I am not like Patricia Neal. I'm, first of all, she has that great voice. And, um, and she's, she was the right age for the, for the role. She's a little older than I, she was, um, Anyway, years later, she, she and I became very good friends. She was the most gracious woman, and she was always so nice to me and would go out of her way if we'd, we'd be in the same restaurant in New York or something. She'd come all the way. You know, she was slightly impaired physically from her stroke, and she'd come all the way across the room. I didn't think she even knew who I was, but we did become friends, and... um Years later, she told me, I said, well, I'm so grateful you turned that part down because it turned my life around. And she said, oh, but darling, I didn't. I wanted to do it. They didn't offer it to me. Oh, my. Wow. Which made me feel really terrible. I think they probably were worried about her stroke, you know, that possibly for her to be doing, um, putting those hours on the set, that it might have not been good for her. I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, because you know we do we did spend long long hours on on the set doing an hour show and but I I I thought and you know if I had wanted that part and some young whippersnapper came along <laughs> and took it from me I'm not sure I would have been as gracious as she was and she never told me not until years later Wow Wow I would have thought yeah. that uh, she had uh, exactly as you I, I would assume, too. Yeah, I assume she she yeah. turned it down. No, no offense, but I, I assume thought. that would be yeah. who they would go to first, just because she had done it and she was Patricia Neal. Yep. Now, um, and she was wonderful. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was stunning in it, and still is. You know, I I saw it recently. Uh, you know, at a, um, a a reunion or something, they were showing it, and uh, and I thought, my God, this will hold up forever. This this particular movie of the week. So you you get this role and something I want to cover here real quickly, just in general about series television, you kind of alluded to it there. Uh, I think a lot of people are under this uh, delusion that TV actors, particularly yeah. TV actors on a series have it easy. And from everything I can glean, not having been a part of it, but from what I understand, working on a series can be quite uh, a grind. Can you talk about, I mean, it, it could be great. I mean, I think people, that's their dream to have a great long running TV series that goes into syndication, but it also can be intense, intense work. Talk to us about the schedule and what's involved in a, in a weekly television series, particularly an hour drama, which I would think would be more difficult than say a half hour sitcom. People who do our series, especially when they're playing the lead are heroes. They really are. I mean, the benefits of it are that you get paid well. You put your kids through private school and braces. Um, but the hours, and, and in my case, of course, I, I, got, I gained another family. 
but not not everybody in television is doing an hour show gets to have that. And uh, some of the time is so tedious that you want to just shoot yourself. Um, for me especially, because I was playing uh, a good character. And in those days, a good person never did anything wrong. So sometimes they would have me in, in two scenes in the course of a day where all I did was say, more coffee, John, or time for bed, kids, or pass the salt, please. And the boredom, the boredom got to me more than anything. Um, you know, the long hours are just grinding. You're absolutely, you use the right term, grinding, grueling. It's the difference between, it, when you're in the theater, when you're doing a play, you get to go from A to Z. You get, you get the whole scope and the whole arc. Um, when you're doing television, it, it's like, it's the difference between a racehorse running a race and a plow horse plowing a field. That's the only way I can oh, say. Oh, that, that makes but a lot of sense. But in retrospect, you know, I, I was, I'm intensely grateful to have been part of that show. It's, it's very humbling that even today, the people who come up to me with tears in their eyes saying that show changed my life. How can you not be humbled by that? And uh, obviously you were recognized, uh, I believe, for that role, three Emmys for that role. Uh, what? Why was that show so successful? Why do you think it resonated and still resonates to this day? It's family. So it appeals to people um, who didn't have that kind of a childhood. You know, I've had people say, you know, I come from a very abusive background and this show showed me what is possible, what, what to hope for, what, what to... Um, I can't, the, the, the word's going out of my head, but, um, and other people have said, you know, I came from that kind of a childhood, so it took me back and gave me wonderful, you know, renewed my memories of my happy childhood. So I think it, it, it hit people on many levels. And I went to Bangladesh years ago for um, Save the Children, and the show was so popular there. I thought, well, of course, they have families in Bangladesh, too. You know, yeah, that's that's great. And by the way, I'll say that when you mentioned that some people said, well, their childhood came from maybe a similar background. Uh, uh, my mom was probably similar in age to you, and she had moved from the country to the big city. So um, mm-hmm. I think why her, like a lot of people like her, uh, drew comfort from it because, uh, you know, you, you look around and you're in the city and all the traffic and the smog oh, and all yeah. the different things. And then you could turn on the television once a week and spend some time with the Walton family and, and be back home. I th- thank you. I, I, I think that's true. And, you know, Earl Hamner, too, Earl Hamner was the creator, and he actually was John Boy. And a lot of the show was based on his childhood experiences, which were real. Slightly idealized, of course, because, sure. you know, he didn't want to offend. He, he, he was such a nice decent man. He didn't want to offend because these were real characters. The Baldwin sisters, all of these characters were based on real people. Well, not all, but a lot of them. And um, so he didn't want to offend anybody. And the only time we ever got into trouble with Earl was when we were saying, come on, you got to give, you got to let these people not be perfect because nobody loves perfect people. Right. (laughs) And uh, you got to give us some warts and flaws here and there. In fact, there was one show where I think Elizabeth um, 
took a doll from my Guzzi store or something. I can't quite remember. But anyway, the way he had written it, she runs after him and gives the doll back. <laughs> and um, we said, no, have her keep the doll and be, you know, she, she's naughty. Or I'm not sure she stole it. I can't remember the exact specifics. I think I and vaguely so it, remember that episode. Yeah, and so she doesn't run and give it back. She keeps it. And that's human. And I think people like that because... We're all human, and, and people like to see... I said, Olivia has to make a mistake. She has to scold the wrong child. You have to have her not just be this perfect, kind, wonderful mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he did, but it was hard for him because his own mother, of course, was still alive. And I believe, and I'm sure ahead. he was waiting for her to say, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Were Earl Hamner, if I'm not correct, uh, not uh, incorrect... He actually wrote for the Twilight Zone in the 60s. So uh, Yes, he not, did. And he also wrote that. Falcon Crest. So you had yeah. the good mother and the Waltons and the bad yeah, mother. Yeah, Jane Wyman, very much so. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, a totally I think the Falcon Crest came after he got therapy. <laughs> Maybe he, got <laughs> he was little, working out all his issues. Yeah, a little <laughs> more realistic about life, I don't know. But, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, it was a great run. Um, like many shows, you, you started to... and. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, well, there goes the show. You you see Richard Thomas leave, who was kind of the center mm-hmm. of the show. And then you yeah. decided you decided to leave. And when I think you left the show, show, I hate to say this, but to me, it was kind of like the jump the shark, you know, and, or you have different people playing John Boy and things. Um, can you talk about, um, you know, having such a great, strong, stable cast and maybe over time that changing in, in you deciding to leave? Well, you know what? The original show was about a family with small children growing up. Then everybody was kind of grown, and then they're getting married and having babies. It was just wasn't the same show. It was the the new producers who came on were wonderful people, Claire Whitaker and and uh, Rod. Um, I'm suddenly blanking here. I'm sorry. I'm hungry. Um, but. Um, Claire Peterson and Rod Whitaker, that's where I am. Um, anyway, they came on the show, and uh, they were wonderful and wonderful writers, but it, it became a different show because everybody was different. The little Cammie was a grown woman, and uh, Mary Beth McDonough was getting married, and Judy Norton was getting married, and there were babies, and, there were, and John Boy had a new face and a new voice, and I, I think the show was still good, but it wasn't the same show. And the day I had to take bandages off John Boy's face, and it was a different face and a different voice, I thought, I can't do this anymore. Uh, now, I've read somewhere you say you regret leaving the show. Is the, do you think well, I don't, I don't really regret it. It's just, you know, it's always better when you complete something. And uh, I didn't complete it, but then I was doing Nurse in New York, and they were running out of ideas for Olivia by now. Olivia was, you know, middle-aged, and um, there wasn't much for that character to do anymore. So um, I'm just sorry that I left the cast, because we're still very close today, and they were like my second family, and and still are. They were all at my wedding, and Mary and I just did a a wonderful trip to London, England together, and... um, you know, they're just great people, all of them. I love them dearly. So that was one of the great benefits for me of that show. 
And that was actually going to be my next question. I mean, you see all the people, the various anniversaries, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the conferences or meetups that you have and, 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 mm-hmm. and so forth. I mean, really, uh, it's still very much alive. And it, it's my, mm-hmm. and again, I'm on the outside looking. It's my perception on some shows. People do the show, and maybe it was a big hit show 30, 40 years ago, 20 years ago, and then they don't, they lose touch. They, they don't really stay in touch or not friends. Uh, whereas it sounds like this cast, it's the polar opposite, and, and all, most, if not all of you, stay in close touch and uh, see each other and talk and so forth. We do, and we look forward to seeing each other. We look forward to reunions where we get together and because we just enjoy each other. Um, and, and of course back then there was no Facebook or, so it's a lot easier to stay in touch now with cell phones and all that stuff. But, um, but we are, we are like a second family and we're not as close as we were because everybody has his or her own life. But, um, but we're close. We're a family. And, um, I, I just, I just feel like, more than anything, that was the great gift of that show for me. Now, you mentioned the name of a TV series that maybe people, uh, you know, put next to the Waltons may not remember as well, but one that you won an Emmy for called Nurse, and I believe it only lasted uh, a season, and I remember that show being on, I believe it was CBS, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was. Talk to us about that show and why you think, I mean, obviously you were well-received, you won an Emmy for it. Why, and I believe Robert Reed was in that cast as well. So you had yes, good, he was. good good actors. What, yeah. what happened with that show? What are your thoughts? It was actually a good show. Well, what happened really was scripts were being written in L.A. about New York, and I'm I'm a perfectionist with details. You know, I I would would write to somebody. I would I would call somebody in L.A. and say, you know, she's living in Harlem. In New York, everybody has locks on their doors, no matter where they're living, and there are no locks on the doors. <laughs> you know, little little right. details like that, which bothered me terribly. And I think they thought I was really just being a pain in the ass, and I guess maybe <laughs> I was. But um, you but know, sometimes also, that's good. Sometimes that's be good. A shot. Well, yeah, but um, I don't think they liked it, and. Um, I won't mention names or anything, but, you know, they'd have scripts coming in. Mary goes home and soaks in her hot tub. I said, people don't have hot tubs in Harlem. You know, it's just stuff like that. And um, so eventually we we did get New York writers who knew how to write about New York. And uh, and then the show was canceled and it broke my heart because I think it was a good show. Or it had the potential, you know. Well, that's another thing. I think that... um if you read of some of the the most popular shows in television history, the reason that they survived was maybe a television executive caught it and said, "I like that show. Let's give it a chance." I mean, Seinfeld, for right. example. Whereas right. There, and you know, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, Sorry. I was just going to say, there's probably just as many or more that would have been great had they been given that same chance. I think so. And actually, we were doing well in the ratings. Um, I think it was personal, and um, it kind of ruined my career, to tell you the truth. I didn't work in television for 10 years after that. So it was a very painful um, time. And um, 
you know, I I know I'm as much at fault as anybody else, um, but I didn't know, I just didn't know how to handle it any better than I did. And uh, so I just came across as a cranky old diva, I guess. And, and really, it was, we were working under very difficult circumstances. Robert and I were rewriting scripts in the hallway of this hospital with cockroaches on the wall. You know, it was... <laughs> It was difficult and working, you know, sometimes 17 hour days. It was exhausting and um, very, very challenging. And I, what I should have done was gotten on a plane and flown out to LA. And, you know, now I look back on it and I see I could have handled it better than I did. I think most of us could handle different things in our life better than we did. Hindsight, yeah. hindsight's yeah. always twenty twenty. I do want to ask, yeah, yeah. I, I do want to ask you about Robert Reed. I mean, what a, what a great uh, uh, television personality and, and actor, and and he's another one of those people. I think maybe got pigeonholed into Mister Brady, but was capable of you know a lot more than that. Obviously, because oh yeah, I think he was a pretty serious actor before he got the. The Brady Bunch, he was considered a series actor and then maybe a little bit typecast there. Talk to us about Robert Reed. Well, he was a very private man, so I don't really, I didn't get to know him that well. It's not like we hung out. It wasn't the the show. We were both working so hard and for such long hours that, um, you know, there wasn't any time for the weekends. I don't even remember. I would just be out. Um, and I'm sure it was the same for him, but he was quiet, private, had a, a quiet sense of humor, kind. And the thing that struck me was we were, we were shooting, uh, our dressing rooms were hospital rooms. It, it, this was like an abandoned part. In fact, it was the psychiatric ward an abandoned psychiatric ward in, in this big hospital in New York, in Harlem. And I, I thought, there were days when I thought, well, maybe we're the patients and we just think we're shooting a series here. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty grim. And, and I went into his dressing room at one point and he had redecorated the entire room. He had painted it. He had hung pictures. He had taken this drab, dreary little hospital room and turned it into a, 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 a charming, as, as charming as a hospital room can be. Um, place for himself. And I, I really respected that. And, I, and he did it himself. He didn't ask anybody to do it for him. So he was a really, he was a good sport. And, um, but he was having the same difficulties with the scripts that I was. So it was, it was a challenging experience. Now in subsequent years, I believe that the stage became a big, a big part of your life again. Um, talk to us about being on the stage. I'm always curious uh, I've heard many people say, you know, if they money and everything being equal, they would take the stage over television or movies. Uh, what are your thoughts on acting on the stage, maybe as opposed to on the screen? Well, like anything, um, it kind of because I've I did the Waltons, I get to do things like driving Miss Daisy, and but I would have been happy staying at ACT just forever, I guess, um, in a rep company playing beautiful, wonderful roles. And I think that, you know, television is a medium, at least back then, where uh, it moves quickly. So um, there isn't time to rehearse or analyze or you, 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 you show up in the morning and that's it. 
you're shooting a scene. You're climbing into bed with somebody you've never met before. How do you do? My name is Michael. What's your name? Take off your clothes and get into bed. I never <laughs> went that far, luckily. Um, I'm a bit of a prude myself, so I'm glad I never was challenged that way. But, um, you know, it, it's fast, and the writing is fast and gets changed because actors being the pains of, in, in the ass that we are, we all have suggestions and ideas. And then the poor writers are struggling to try and rewrite a scene to please either the producer or the actor or the director or whatever. So it, it, it's, it, whereas a play you get, if you're lucky, you get to rehearse for three weeks, you get to analyze and discuss and, and delve into the subtext and um, of your character, and uh, I that I love rehearsing. I just love rehearsing, and there's no rehearsal in television. You just you just do it, hit your mark, and say your line, and move on. So I guess that's the big difference for me is the rehearsal process in theater, the quality of the of the writing, the plays that you get to do with great writers like Chekhov or Shakespeare or you know, it's, 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 it's such a dream. And then, then the audience, the first laugh that you get in a show is like getting, you feel like you've given someone the best Christmas present you could ever give because you, you've given somebody something that makes them joyous. So that's neat. That's great. Uh, one last question. And then I'll ask you where we can find what you're doing today. Cause I know you have a production coming up in Pennsylvania. People may want to check out, but, uh, the Waltons 50 years from now, 75 years from now, hundred years from now, I am quite confident that there will be people out there someplace, somewhere watching the Waltons and enjoying the familial story of the Waltons family. And, uh, Olivia and John. Really think and John. So? I absolutely think so. I absolutely think so. That would be lovely. <laughs> that well, that was my question. How does that make you feel, knowing that that you will still be affecting people that way? Well, I won't know, will I? Maybe I will, but I probably won't know or care at that point. But right now, being alive and thinking about it, it makes me feel very happy. Excellent. Well, now people can. Um, you know, experience what you're doing today. I know that you have a production of uh, Driving Miss Daisy coming up, don't you? That's coming up with Lance Nichols, who's um, a wonderful actor. And uh, we've done it together a couple of times, actually. Um, He was in that show from New Orleans. What was it called? It was a wonderful show. Uh, Treme. Oh, okay. okay. Treme. And um, he's, he's just a great actor. So we got the chance to work uh, together again at the Totem Pole in Fayetteville, Pennsylvania, which is also, I, I hear, a lovely theater. And, you know, people love working there. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm packing right now. I just finished unpacking from London, and now I'm repacking for Pennsylvania. And I'm a wreck. <laughs> well, we thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule and talking to us about your career. Michael Learned, thank you for joining us on the program today. Thank you, Tim. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that edition of the great TV podcast as much as I did. I hope that you'll tell a friend, and I really appreciated the honesty of Michael in that interview. Fascinating stuff. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you next time on the great TV podcast. Stay tuned. (laughs) 